You're listening to the Scottsdale Podcast, which features our Sunday sermons. If you would like to learn more about what God is doing in the life of Scottsdale Baptist Church, visit our website at scottsdale.org. Enjoy and be challenged by the word of the Lord. Amen. Man, I just love singing that song with you guys. I was about to break down right there singing God is so good. And I loved hearing y'all's voices. Well, if you're new with us, my name is Tucker Kelly. We're in week two of Who's That? And it kind of sounds like a game show title, right? Who's That? You can kind of hear the prices right uh, underneath. But anyways, if you are new, my name is Tucker Kelly. I'm the student pastor here. And it's just an honor and a privilege to be able to speak with you guys this morning. I believe God has an incredible word that's going to encourage us, that's going to challenge us, and it's going to equip us as we head out of these walls and into the world. And I believe that that God's word is going to transform our lives as it continues to transform our lives. I'm grateful for the opportunity. Pastor Phil is in Ireland with his wife, Miss Chris, and they're enjoying a well-deserved rest. And so be praying for them, be praying for safe travels back. But today you're stuck with me. Um, so hopefully that's not a bad thing and hopefully it's okay. But we are in a series called Who's That? Where we're looking at not so common biblical characters, not just the characters that we've grown up to learn and to understand, not the Davids and the Goliaths and and the Daniels, but we're looking at God's detail. We're looking in the word, we're diving deeper, and we're discovering that there are other names that we should study. There are other things that we should look at. You see, God has purpose in all of the details and all of scripture, not just the famous parts we've learned in Sunday school, but all of scripture is for God's glory and for our good. And so we're going to be learning about a man named Jabez today. Can you say Jabez? Jabez. You're awake and I love it. Thank you. Say Jabez. Yes, yes, Jabez. We're going to learn about a man named Jabez and how he prayed and how we can overcome pain through prayer, how prayer can lead us out of pain. Maybe some of you guys are experiencing pain this morning. Maybe some of you guys have been led out of pain. Maybe you know people who are going through pain, but the pain we can experience leads us to two paths, leads us to destruction or blessing. You see, the pain in our life has the ability, notice I say ability, It doesn't have to, but it has the ability to define us. It has the ability to label us. It has the ability to put limitations on our life. But I want you to know, church, that you're not defined by your labels. You're not defined by your former self, nor your limitations. God has a great plan and purpose for you. So today, we're going to learn how to overcome pain through prayer. Some of us today, we might be in the pit of pain, and we don't know if prayer can actually get us through, but I believe that it can. And as we look at Jabez, it's mentioned in 1 Chronicles. So go ahead and pull out your Bibles. Um, Go ahead and turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 4. Uh, We're going to be looking at verses 9 through 10. But quick background on Chronicles. We do not know who the writer is. Some people speculate that it could be Ezra. Um, But there's not enough evidence for us to back that up. And so a lot of times theologians will say the chronicler. Um, That's hard to say for me for some reason. So I'm just going to say the writer of Chronicles, the chronicler. Um, It rolls off the tongue kind of strange. But anyways, the book is a historical narrative meant to encourage the Jews that were coming out of exile from Babylon who were experiencing great difficulty. 
Kind of like us, right? We're experiencing, some of you might be experiencing great difficulty, some trial, some tribulation, some pain. They are trying to reestablish. They are trying to be reaffirmed with God. They are trying to figure out if God is actually their God. Who is God's real people? They were trying to figure out their finances. They were trying to rebuild. There was so much that was going on. And so the writer of Chronicles writes this to encourage them. And hopefully, it encourages us today. But among nine chapters, which we're not going to read all nine chapters today, but among nine chapters, there's names. There's a genealogy from Adam all the way to a man named Azil and his six sons. And this is the moment when we're reading the Bible through a year. We get to 1 Chronicles chapter 1, and we're like, cool, a bunch of names. And we keep turning, and we're like, oh, chapter 5, still names. OK, chapter 6, still names. All right, there's still names. OK, cool. Reading plan done for the day. We're good. Let's get out of the house and go about our way. But here's the deal. We'll miss the details. And you see, there's a reason why we have this in Scripture. There's a reason God placed this here for us to read. And so I don't want us to miss these two verses, especially those of you that are going through pain, especially those of you that know somebody going through pain. The reality is, if you aren't going through pain, you might experience it later down the road. And so we should know that we can turn to God's word in our pain. And I believe as we study God's word, we glean great wisdom. So let's learn from this guy named Jabez. We'll be reading out of the CSB this morning, the Christian Standard Bible. And so First Chronicles 4, 9 through 10 says this, Jabez was more honored than his brothers. His mother named him Jabez and said, I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez called out to the God of Israel, if only you would bless me. Extend my border. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will not experience, there's that word again, pain. And then we see, and God granted his request. From these two verses, there's three things that I want us to talk about today that will help us and guide us and lead us out of pain. And those three things that we're going to focus in on is his name, his prayer, and God's deliverance, not only in Jabez's life, but in your life. And that's what we're going to be looking at. So let's look quickly at his name. We're going to spend a lot of time on his prayer, but let's look at his name. See, Jabez was reminded every time his name was called the pain that he caused his mother. It wasn't just this childbirthing pain. No, it was more than that. It was something more. We don't know exactly what the pain was. We can speculate it. We can figure it out. But ultimately, we know that there was pain caused. And every time he heard his name, it was like being defeated. It was reminding him of the pain that he caused his mother and maybe other people. You see, this was a day that names actually mattered. This is a day that people named their children um, based off of victory, not defeat. But Jabez's name, he was labeled in defeat. In fact, in the Hebrew word, it sounds just like the Hebrew word pain. It sounds very similar. It's jabaz or jabez, whatever you want to say. Um, but that's the Hebrew word. And it was very close to the word pain. So could you imagine? Every day you heard your name, you're like, no, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. You're reminded of that pain over and over again. He probably grew up thinking that he would never be good enough. He probably grew up thinking that he would never have a purpose. He probably grew up thinking that he didn't actually matter. 
Maybe you feel the same way. Maybe the label that you have is heavy. And see, the label that he carried was heavy as well. The label that he carried was heavy. And maybe you were feeling that same unwanted label, that limitation that has been placed on you. And because of those labels, you feel like there's nothing that you can do in life. Because of those labels, you feel like you don't matter. Because of those labels, you feel like you will never be able to see the hand of God move in your life. And maybe you just maybe might feel that the pit and the pain that you're in is so deep that God can't reach his hand down and help you. I've been there. I understand what that might be like. But how did Jabez get through this? How did Jabez overcome these things? How did Jabez overcome his label and his limitations? It was through prayer. It was through the power of prayer. And I believe, church, prayer can change everything. Prayer can change everything. It changes our circumstances. It changes the culture. And prayer changes communities. And the first time I saw all those three things take place, I was in, at Laney High School in ninth grade. And actually, Pastor Matthew Holland, um, back when he worked in the student ministry years ago, he told me one day, he said, hey, Tucker, I want you to just pray over your school. I want you to just walk around and pray over your school. And I was always up for the challenge. I was like, yeah, let's go. I can do that for sure. And he said, I don't want you to tell anybody. I don't want you to tell anybody that you're praying over your school. I want you to just go get to school early, start walking around, and start praying whatever comes to your mind. And so I'm like, OK, cool. Then the reality hit home. Monday happened, and I got there early, and I was starting to walk around. And I'm thinking, these kids are going to think I'm weird. These, I'm walking around, talking to myself, waving my arms back and forth, whatever. They're probably going to bully me. And so I was like, I don't want to be alone. So my prayer was that, God, would you just send me somebody else to pray with me? I believe that you know, when, when two people get in a room, something special happens. When three people gather, um, God is going to be there as well. So I was like, OK, I'm going to pray for a friend. And so a couple of days, I just prayed. And sure enough, my buddy walked up and said, hey, man, what are you doing? Why are you talking to yourself? I said, hey, I'm not talking to myself. I'm talking to God. I'm praying. Do you want to pray with me? And he said, absolutely. And I told him, I, I want to see the hand of God at Laney High School. I want to see the hand of God. I want to see God change the circumstances. I want to see God change the culture here. I want to see God change the community that we're in. And I believe it can start with prayer. And I praise God because I prayed for you. And now you're here. And he's like, that's awesome. Let's pray. And so we continued to pray. We read scripture with one another. We walked around the school. And we prayed for somebody else. Sure enough, God sent somebody else a couple of days later. But he wasn't saved. He wasn't a believer. So he comes up to us. He's doing driver's ed or something for a couple of weeks. And so he has nothing else to do. And I'm like, perfect. You have nothing else to do? Come on. We'll pray for you. So he had all these questions about who God is and what God is up to and, and what scripture really meant. And we got to answer that with him. We got to answer questions. We got to open up the word of God with him. We got to pray for him to his face. God, I pray that Michael would get saved. Like <laughs> He was like, OK. <laughs> And eventually, you know, he got invited to youth group. And he came to youth group. And I think there was an event or something. And he accepted Christ. The Holy Spirit had been working in Michael's life. Why? Because we were praying for him. Because it changed his entire circumstances. He thought that he just had some free time because he was done with driver's ed early. But no, God had a bigger plan for him. And so he accepts Christ. And the story could end there. And it would be awesome because we saw transformation. We saw death to life. And man, was I praising God. And I was like, wow, the hand of God is moving here. And it was just the three of us. 
but it was awesome and it was so exciting. Prayer changes everything, but three turned into six, that turned into 12, that turned into 24 people praying around this public high school, all because of a prompting from Pastor Matt. He just said, hey, go pray, see what happens. And, and we saw what happened. Every Tuesday, over 50 students at Laney High School were singing in front of the school, praising God. This is a public high school. Why? Because of prayer. Because it changed our circumstances. It changed the community, and it changed the culture at Laney High School. Every Tuesday, we had over 50 people praising God, praying, and hearing from his word. And I remember just standing there one day. I got to... I got to have the opportunity to share a devotional thought. And I was sharing from God's word. And I just broke down. And I said, guys, I want to let you know something, that this all came from God. I didn't even tell anybody about this. I, 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 just, I just wanted God to do what only he could accomplish. And he accomplished it. We saw lives transformed. We saw people getting invited to churches. And what we also saw was the greater church come together. We saw students from other churches coming together and giving word and, and, and bringing their guitars that were out of tune and playing and singing as loud as we possibly could. We didn't care what people thought. We just wanted people to know who God was. We saw the hand of God, and we saw how prayer changed everything. And that's exactly what happened in Jabez's life. It changed everything for him. Notice in verse 9. Jabez was more honored than his brothers. Did that honor always exist, or did it come about after prayer? I faithfully believe that it came about after prayer. I faithfully believe that through prayer, he was able to overcome his circumstances, able to overcome his labels. And I believe when we rest in the label that God gives us, we are able. We are able to do what? We are able to see his hand move in our lives. We are able to overcome, and we are able to pray through pain, getting out of that pit that we feel so stuck in. We are now able. Why? Because Christ is in us, because we can commune with him, because we have a personal relationship with him. You know, I think it's awesome that in verse 10, it says that Jabez called out to the God of Israel. Sometimes when we're in that pit of pain, we don't call out to the God of Israel. What do we do? We turn to the world. We turn to its pleasures. We turn to things that are going to distract us, going to make us feel a little bit better about ourselves. Maybe you turn to social media. Maybe you turn to TV. Maybe you just get wrapped up in the stock market. Maybe you just get wrapped up in what's going on with your friends, or maybe it's alcohol or drugs, whatever it may be. It's just a moment of happiness. But you know that it just digs that pit even further, even further. But you see, Jabez knew who to turn to. Jabez turned to the God of Israel, the one who can actually do something about his pain, the one that can actually understand what he's going through. You see, in Hebrews, it says that we, don't, we, we serve a God that can empathize with us. You see, Jesus came and he lived. A lot of times, people, when they share the gospel, they just say that Jesus died for us. And that's it. But there's so much more to it. No, Jesus was born in the flesh, yet he didn't give in to the flesh. And he lived, and he understands circumstances that we go through. He can empathize with you. He understands the pain that you are going through, so much so that he bore the worst pain ever for humankind to experience. And that's on the cross, as he was nailed to the cross, suffocating 
for you. He can empathize. He understands what you're going through. He lived. He died. He rose again on the third day, and he will return for his people. So we have a future hope. Even in the pain that you might be experiencing, we have a greater hope. We have an understanding that God is doing things for our good, that he's got a plan even in our pain. Church, is our knee-jerk reaction to pain, is it prayer? Or is it turning to the world and its pleasures? What is it? See, Jabez didn't sit around and sulk. He didn't sit around in his pain. He didn't sit around and just say, nothing's ever going to change for me. No, he went to the creator, the one who created him, the one who loves him, the one who knows him better than anyone else. And it changed his circumstances. He was honored more than all of his brothers. Why? Probably because he made Jesus or he made God first in his life. I believe we're strongest on our feet when we spent the most time on our knees in prayer. How often do you get down on your hands and knees and pray? How often do you spend time with the Lord, asking him for everything and anything, asking him just to show you his purpose? How often? When was the last time you did that? When was the last time you just sat at the, the foot of your bed and just kneeled and just prayed? Maybe for some of us, it was when we were with our grandparents and our grandparents were tucking us in. Maybe for some of us, we haven't, we haven't prayed in a long time. And you feel that that pit is really deep. That pit of pain is deep. I believe that the trials we go through can lead to blessing or destruction. And I pray that it is blessing the half-brother of Jesus, James, in uh, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, says, Consider it great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials. How do we do that? Well, we pray. You know, it's interesting to me, if, if we actually run to the peace of God instead of the worldly pleasures, we will have a closer relationship with God. And so as we go through trials, we can get excited because we can know, hey, I'm about to get closer with Jesus right now. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let the endurance have its full effect. Oftentimes we pray one time, we pray two times, and then three times strike out, God, you're done. You haven't answered my prayer and we're done. But the scripture says, let endurance have its full effect. You know, I've, I've seen people pray for an individual all their life. I've seen people pray uh, against their circumstances all their life until they hit their deathbed, yet they are some of the most joyful people in the world. Why? Because they have a deep prayer life with their Savior. Because they understand that their God is good, even in pain. And they are the ones that are going to be singing loud from the rooftops. Even if they can't speak, they're going to be doing everything they can to share with us that God is still good, even in pain. Let it have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Like I said earlier, destruction or blessing. What's it going to be? We have to remember Psalm 54.4. It says, God is my helper. No one else, but God is my helper. The Lord is the sustainer of my life. No matter the labels and limitations you may feel, we will always have an opportunity to pray. Do you believe the power of prayer? 
Do you understand how great prayer actually is? As Pastor Jeff reminded us last week in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16 and 18, it says, rejoice always. It's kind of like Paul beats him to the Paul beats James to the punch a little bit and is like, hey, don't not only in trial, but always rejoice, always pray constantly, give thanks in everything for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You don't understand your purpose. You don't know your plan. You don't understand what you're supposed to do here on this earth. It's right here, right here in just these, these couple of verses. Rejoice always. That's our purpose and to pray constantly. That's what our will is and to give thanks in everything for this is God's will for your life. Prayer is powerful and it changes everything. Going back to James chapter 5, verse 16 and 17. It says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Every Sunday at 9.15, right behind me down this hall in room 120, there's a prayer ministry. It wasn't held by our pastors. It wasn't an idea from our pastors. No, it was by this congregation. Some people said, hey, we believe in the power of prayer, and so we're going to do just that. And right now, they're praying in room 120. Maybe this is something that you want to go and check out, but it's right down the hall. You can't miss it across from the big room. But we have a church that knows the power of prayer. We have the church that cares about praying and and understands that as we seek God in prayer, we will see mountains being moved. I've not yet had an opportunity to be in there, but I have felt the effects and the fruit of their prayers. And I'm grateful that we have a church that cares about prayer. And then it says, that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is very powerful in its effect. Elijah was a human being as we are. And he prayed earnestly. He prayed faithfully that it would not rain for three years and six months, and it did not rain on the land. Then he prayed again. And the sky gave rain, and the land produced its fruit. Something interesting about this story is it wasn't the first time that he prayed for it to rain again that it started raining again. He was actually under some pressure, and he was praying, hey, God, um, I'm ready for it to rain. And there's this little cloud that appeared, this tiny little cloud of hope. What is your hope this morning? Is it Jesus, or is it the world? See, I believe prayer leads to healing, which is deliverance. And that's what we're going to talk about next, God's deliverance. Verse 10, let's read it one more time. Jabez called out to the God of Israel, not the world, but the God of Israel, the creator of the universe. He says, if only you would bless me, extend my border, let your hand be with me, and keep me from harm so that I will not experience pain. And God granted his request. See, there's three things that Jabez asked for. And my hope and prayer is that whether you're dealing with pain now, you're about to go through pain, or you, have, you know somebody that is going through pain, that these three things that we can pray, these three things that we can pray for one another, that we can pray for ourselves, that we can focus in on. And the first thing is divine dignity in his identity. He prayed that, that there would be no more negative labels in his life. Instead, that there would be dignity in his identity. And that's only found in Christ. Sometimes we go to the created to tell us who we are, and we need to stop doing that. Sometimes we go to the counterfeits and let the counterfeits tell us who we are. You see, Satan is not a creator. 
Satan is a counterfeit. All he can do is counterfeit what has been created. God is the creator, and he's the one that says, I created you, I love you, and I have good things for you. Don't let the enemy steal and kill and destroy that for you. But oftentimes, like sheep for the slaughter, and we walk right into the counterfeits. We walk right towards the things that make us feel good in the moment, but really leave us feeling imprisoned, feeling the bondage, and that pit of pain gets deeper and deeper. God has given you a purpose. God has an identity for you. Start searching for it in him, and in, even in your pain, let Jesus be the one to guide and direct you. The next thing that we see is divine destiny. No more limitations. Remember when Jabez prayed, he prayed to the God of Israel. You see, when we lean on our own understanding, we'll keep digging that pit of pain. But when we start leaning on God, who is sovereign, who understands what you're going through, who has a purpose in your pain, I believe that we can be led out of that. Or if anything, that we have hope in a greater future for our lives. Psalm 57, 2 says, I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purpose for me. When was the last time you cried out to God? How long has it been? And then Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. Notice it says ahead of time. That declares his sovereignty that shows us that he knew us before we were even born. He knitted us in our mother's womb. He has a plan even in your pain. He has purpose for you. He has a great destiny for you. And you know what it is? It's to glorify him. It's to honor him. Maybe you feel like you don't know what you're supposed to do. Let's go back to 1 Thessalonians 5. Let's remember to rejoice always, to pray constantly, and to be thankful in all circumstances. You are his workmanship. You can go back. You are his workmanship. That should excite you this morning. Knowing that there's something that God has for you. Knowing that God has knitted you in your mother's womb for a reason. You're not just here because some plasmic, I don't know science. I don't know, I'm not even going to say it. But you're not here just because you just exist. No, you're here because God has something for you. And there's a reason you're here this Sunday morning. There's a reason why you drove here. There's a reason why you were invited here. The next thing is divine dependence, having a dependence on the Lord. You see, as Jesus was preaching the Sermon on the Mount, one of the greatest sermons ever preached and will ever be preached, he was talking about fasting. He was talking about prayer. And he was talking about stop worrying about all the things of this world and rely and depend on him. And I think it's interesting to me that, that as he's talking about prayer and fasting, he also talks about worry. He also talks about what we should seek first. And I love how fasting and prayer are combined. See, last September, I started fasting. And I started eat, not eating from sunup to sundown. And honestly, I can say that my prayer life has been so much better. Not only my prayer life, but, but my, my ability to be able to resist sin. Because if something happens when you resist a craving within you. 
Something special happens when you resist a craving and, and you see people eating around you and you're like, man, I'm super hungry. But you know what? God is good. Even through this little bellyache pain that I feel like I'm having, you know, God is still good and he's sovereign. And when I get to the end of the day, instead of eating a buffet, I praise God because I know that my prayer is strengthened with him. And I know that my relationship with him has gotten better. And honestly, it has changed everything. And so I would challenge you, maybe if your prayer life hasn't been very great, pick a day. Find a day from sunup to sundown and just fast, meaning don't eat. You can drink some water. That's fine. And every time your stomach rumbles, remember that God is sovereign. Every time your stomach rumbles, remember that God is good and you can depend on him. But as Jesus is speaking to his early disciples, his early followers in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he says this, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be provided for you. Yes, our needs are going to be provided for us. But as we seek the kingdom of God, as we seek what God's will is in our life, we are going to want what he wants in our life, and he's going to give it to us. He's going to grant those requests. Why? Because we're in such great communion with him that we understand what he wants from us, what he wants for us, and what he wants to happen within us. My question is, are we seeking God are we seeking the kingdom first, or are we seeking other outlets? All of this will be provided for you. What is the pain or the past struggling that is keeping you from seeking the kingdom of God? Something I share with the student ministry all the time is John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come to give you life and life of the abundance. Sometimes we don't believe that. Why? Because we're so dug into our pit of pain that we can't see freedom for a mile out. Probably because we haven't prayed. Or maybe you're like, Tucker, I've prayed for so long. I've prayed for 20 years. I've prayed longer than you've even been alive. I've prayed over 30 years. And God still hasn't shown me healing. God still hasn't delivered me. I want to tell you, to keep praying. And I know that's the last thing you want to hear from me. But can I tell you something? God has delivered you. He has given you healing. He died on the cross for you. He sent his son to die for you. We have been healed. It's just a matter of accepting it. See, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. It's true, we will. But he also says that his burden is light and his yoke is easy. And then in Romans 8.1, it says that there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That is healing. We are healed from the sin that held us bondage, the sin that kept us in the grave, the sin that kept us as, in, that kept us as enemies of God. But Jesus said, God said, no, no longer. I'm going to send my son. Jesus said, I'm going to make a way for you. I'm going to give you a life and life to the abundance. Stop living in the prison that you keep going back to and start living in the freedom that he has called you in, regardless of the pain that you're experiencing. I believe that as we pray, it, it will change everything. You know, for me, it started with prayer. I was in fifth grade, and I prayed that God would transform my life. And ever since then, God has been working and doing amazing work. Yes, my life has had its trials. My life has had its pains. 
but I know my God is good, and I know the hope that I rest in, and his name is Jesus. And if you are without Christ today, that pain, that pit that you're in is going to just keep getting deeper and deeper. But you see, Jesus is knocking, and he's saying, I'm here. I'm here for you. Let me lift you out of that pain. Let me lift you out of the difficult waters, as it says in Isaiah. You know, I think about Peter when he was walking on water. He was walking on water, and and he lost sight of Jesus. And what happened? He started to sink. But where was God? Where was Jesus? He was right there, and he lifted him out of the waters. And they walked out on the water and walked back into the safety of the boat. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And it talks a great deal about endurance. And then towards the end of Hebrews 12, it talks about strengthen your weak knees and your tired hands. Why? Because God's got something great for you. Galatians 6, 9 says, stop getting tired of what doing good. Don't get tired of what's doing good. Instead, recognize what God is doing, and you will see a beautiful harvest. God has a great and mighty plan for you. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. That freedom is for you. That gift of life is for you. No longer do you have to be enemies of God. No longer do you have to be in the pit of pain. But instead, you can be called child. You can be given purpose. And you will start to understand that there is purpose in, pain, in, in our pain and that God is sovereign and he is good. Some of us today, we need to pray for the first time, that very prayer. God, would you just accept me into your family? God, would you allow me to overcome that sin that I've been struggling with? God, would you heal me from this sickness that I've had? Know this, whether he heals you of your physical needs or not, he has healed you of your spiritual need, and that is the sin that holds you bondage. So let me pray for you. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for this opportunity that we have to come to you. God, that we get an opportunity to pray to someone who understands what we're actually going through. God, there might be some people in this room that have been in the pit of pain for so long. God, I pray deliverance for them. I pray healing. But more so, I pray that they would understand that you love them. And you died for them so they would no longer have to live in that pit, but instead could live in the hope and the assurance found only in you. God, for the the church member that has just been struggling with their faith and struggling to understand that you are still sovereign, I pray that you make a way for them. God, I pray that as you tell us that your burden is light, would it actually be light in our life? Would the yoke that we hold be easy because you are carrying the load? God, would our knee-jerk reaction to pain be prayer? 
would we be able to seek you, fix our eyes on you, and as we draw near to you, would you draw near to us, God? We believe that prayer can change everything, and we believe that your hand will do mighty works, God, and we pray that we could seek first the kingdom of God, and it's in your name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope that God uses this message in you to transform you more into the image of Christ. If you have any questions about our church or you want to learn more about Jesus, visit our website at scottshill.org slash next steps. Till next time.